This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest stars in the world revolve on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the exclusive execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the heartbreak kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in In Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man. Nights, what is going on there? The PWCites, the Big Vitoites, the Hamenites, the Israelites, the Irites, the Ukraineites, the Russianites, the Americanites, Puerto Ricanites, the Irishites, all those ites. You know, I, there's so many ites out there. But also, what's going on to the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven, the Tubular Twelves, and all points in between. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. This is the PWR Podcast. This is the PWS Network at Powerbeam.com. And yes, we are doing a tag team spotlight. I already, I already promoted this last week. There's no secret here. There's no, you know, beating around the push. We are doing what we do best here on the PWR Podcast. We spotlight. We do that. We spotlight tag teams. We spotlight singles competitors. We spotlight managers. We spotlight valets. We spotlight championship belts. But today, tonight, we are going to spotlight one of the arguably greatest tag teams in the history of professional wrestling. This will be a debate, maybe between myself and TW, or it will be a debate for the Magnificent Seven. But I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I am so, you know, I, I suffer from vanity. I know I'm going into hell because of my vanity issues. But anyway, I am the scholarly one. I am the magnanimous one. I am the stupendous one. But both do. Importantly, Reflectionites, I am the glorious one. The always objective one of the IWC, YWC. Always the objective one in this pod being punditry. Your friend and mine, the Professor Chababa Cruz, welcoming you to the PWR Podcast. And I am not here alone. I am always here with my partner in crime. My brother from another mother. The conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the man, Dr. Frankenstein, the iron stomach one, Mr. Wonderful, dum-dum duo in an idiot's own, 
Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? And considering Tommy Wonder, before I, before you even tell the reflection, that's how you're doing, and what action figures you've collected, and what all, all new belts or new magazines or new toiletries that you're going to show to the YouTube fans here, you know, the tens of tens that's come on the PWSL networks on the YouTubes. <laughs> how are you doing? But before that, you know, we always talk about, you know, what we do best here. And I know you're going to do, you, do your dry tribe about, about the tag team thing. But, you know, you was not on a spotlight that me and JB didn't. You know, a long time ago, JB did the PWR podcast. It, it is Who, not a JB? myth. Who's that? I don't, who's JB? I don't, yeah. You could, people will say, who is JB? This would be like a Tucker Carlson conspiracy theory. But, yes, <laughs> JB did a PWR podcast with me. And we did... A tag team spotlight where we highlighted Road Wars, we highlighted the Freebirds, we highlighted, you know, the Outsiders and the Steiner Brothers. So it's always, you know, that debate, how is the criteria of greatest tag teams? Because Reflection Nights, we are doing a tag team spotlight because it's apropos, TW, that we celebrate what WWE should have done a long time ago. Induct your Detroit natives. Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers. But I never asked you, because we did Demolition. We we did a couple other things spotlight-wise. But since the Steiner brothers, TW, are considered one of the greatest. We're not going to rank them. I don't need the TW rankings. But they are considered one of the greatest tag teams. What is TW's criteria of the greatest tag teams? But first, how are you doing, my friend? How was your week? It was good. I won a Euchre tournament that I wasn't even supposed to be in, going 6-1. and one. Oh, the, the way Euchre. You s- Euchre. You never heard of Euchre? Oh, the Bob Euchre tournaments? Oh, I didn't know he had one. No, they're actual tournaments of playing cards, a game of card, a card game called Euchre. I've, I've heard it. it's a Midwest thing. But anyhow, I uh, I went there, and one of the nice ladies there didn't know how to play. I was coaching her, and <clears throat> she said, instead i said you better ask the host because i don't want to be ruffling no feathers so i played and the way you, you was scored it that's what it was boom i'm the yeah. adam cole baby of euchre but the way you scored it wasn't wins and losses you played with everybody once right so mm-hmm. there's eight people you play seven games once with each person as your teammate it's to uh to provide fairness if you will so i uh the way they scored it wasn't wins losses, even though it was six and one. They scored it by how many points you got per game. So the way you win the game is to get to ten before the opponent. But you could also end up at eleven, twelve, or thirteen because they have a thing called the loner hand, where I tell my partner to stay home, and then I take all the tricks by myself. If I do that, I get four points. If you and I take all the tricks, we get two points. If we only take three, we get one point. So out of my seven games, six of them. I got 10 points in three and 11 points in three, two of which I went alone and got it, and one, uh, we just actually scored 11 points to beat the other team. Cool. That gave me 63 points. Mm-hmm. The game that I lost with my good friend Denny Diamond, who sucks, apparently, and he does it normally, we got one point. So at that point, I was 3-0. The person I just won with is now my opponent. She's 3-0, and we lost 10-1. to So I'm like, dude, I just went from worst to first, or first to worst. But then oh, wow. from that point on, I won the next three games by getting 11, 11, and 10. And I won 64 points 
to 63 points to 61 points. So those other the two greatest, guys, the greatest they lost in Yuka history. They lost to me. They both did. They both won with me, but they both uh, lost enough when they did lose their games that they didn't get anywhere near the 10 points per loss mm-hmm. when I got 10. But anyway, so I won 100 bucks US. Um, I went to my cousin's for Easter brunch. I'd never done that before. Uh, and then I made myself Easter dinner and ate it by myself, and it was a good time. And and I've been to the doctors. I've taken Jackson to the vet. I went to therapy. Uh, there might be a metal staple still stuck in my head, apparently. That's what the MRI told me last Friday. And, well, they told me today. So I got to now go get an X-ray to see if there's a piece of metal in my head. And if there is, it's staying because I'm not getting a new scar from them digging a hole in there to get it out unless it's mm. something that could prob- probably cause issues later on down the road. But to answer your question, these guys right here, let me tell you about them. I've said this before. We have talked about the Steiners before when we were ranking our favorite tag teams. And I said to you, had they been a tag team longer, they would be my favorite tag team of all time because I absolutely love them. Now, even though it's funny, it's funny you say that because when you do the chronology reflectionites, the Steiners mainstream, and I'm quoting myself here, the mainstream run that you saw them on TV consistently, TW, and, you know, keep your train of thought, but I just want to give this to the Reflectionites. From 89 to 98, that's almost a decade. That's a decade of dominance, you could say, but go ahead, TW. But that's the problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down. Why? We, did, we talked about this before. So I think in the end, I don't think you could say one's a Marty and one's a, a Sean. I think one's a Sean and one's a Sean White, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. not quite world champion material, but in just, I'm just going to pick Rick Steiner. He was around before Scott. He was mm-hmm. in a UWF with Sting and Eddie Gilbert as hot stuff international. They were a heel tag team Sting and, and, and Rick Steiner. We already know every, our 12 listeners, watchers, whatever they are, they already know how I feel about Sting. They, they know how I feel about UWF. They don't know how much I feel about Eddie Gilbert, who died very young, very too soon, um, mm-hmm. and Missy Hyatt. But those four, they were the, the Heenan family, if you will, of the UWF. So Rick Steiner is kind of a singles guy, but also a tag team guy, because if he wasn't Sting's partner, he was Eddie Gilbert's partner. So then... The UWF gets merged into he was the goon. He was the goon of yeah. stuff in it. Yeah. yeah, he was the enforcer, I would rather mm-hmm. call him, than a goon. But he's NWA bound, and then what's he do right away? He's now a varsity club member with Dr. S. Steve Williams and Mike Rotunda, which I think is one of the most underrated stables of all time because it did the impossible. It made me like Dr. Death and Mike Rotunda and Kevin Sullivan, for that matter. I don't know how the hell he got involved in that because he's this demon guy, but he's their coach. But but I I loved I loved the concept how they all wore their own school singlet that they went to if they really did or not I don't know I want to say they, they added well, a fourth guy Steiner did sure. and, uh, and Steiner did uh, Doctor and Rotunda did. did and Rotunda I don't know about yeah. Rotunda that, that could he be went like to Syracuse okay. well yeah so that they could all... be the man <clears throat> but so then you got that and then finally his brother comes to the NWA and you say eighty seven or ninety eight or eighty eight to ninety eight but by 98, Scott Steiner's by himself. I mean, not really by himself, but he's been so hurt. We can explain that. We'll explain There's been that a few years of Rick injuries or Scott injuries because Scott actually went singles first because of Rick's injury, and then mm-hmm. Rick was singles because of Scott's injuries. But really their window of dominance, if you will, is, is probably 89 to 92 in WCW and then 92 to 94 in WWE. So it's only five years 
And I think in hindsight, their run in WWE was flat. It was not what it should have been. And for mm-hmm. me as a kid, I absolutely loved them in NWA. And no, when they came out that first time I saw them on Saturday Morning Superstars, and they came out to Hail to the Victors by U of M, their theme song, I was like, yeah, because you know, there was no rags. I didn't know. They just run mm-hmm. WWE. And I was like, hell yeah. And I was stoked. But there, it was Scott Steiner's a problem. So I had I want to I cut you off when you were talking. They would have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago if not for Scott Steiner. Of and course you know you what? Know he's nuts. I love him. He's got a screw loose. But the bottom line is he's he thinks everybody's out to get him. Everyone's out to screw him. I'm proud of him because you know that was the rumor. If if he didn't accept it, they were putting Rick in by himself because now Rick's doing NXT stuff with his son. Like Rick was going in one way or the other, with or without. So I'm glad mm-hmm. Scott did whatever he had to do to swallow his pride or whatever was holding back. I, I don't know. Well, it, it's a combination of swallowing your pride, but you know that Rick Steiner would not have done the Hall of Fame induction without his brother. So you know, it's a catch twenty two. Tw possibly if the if love he does of your brother. Yeah, he does it for his son's sake. Yeah. Uh, that basically led into it's stuff good with his business. Son. Well, it's good business, but I, I get what you're saying about Scott Steiner swallowing his pride a little bit for Braun Breaker, aka you know Rick's son. But of course, Rick Steiner's like, no, nah, I can't, I can't be on the Hall of Fame induction stage without. My I agree. I agree. It would have looked good. But I, I think this year would have been the year he's like, fuck it, because I'm helping my kid. Because mm-hmm. that was the rumor. Like, hey. Either Scott's going in with him or he's going in alone, but Rick Steiner is going in the Hall of Fame this year for the storyline's sake of Braun. So so you're saying that their dominance was only five years tops? Yeah. Okay. As what we know debate. them as. Mm-hmm. As what right. we know them as, right? <laughs> I don't even remember them going back to WCW because they didn't right away. They went to New Japan. They did some other stuff. But I will explain the chronology, and I will I'll give you that timeline that you're looking at. But anyway, reflection nights. But I want to say one thing. Okay, go ahead. As you were talking, this thought occurred to me. I say this all the time, you know, because the argument is who who was the biggest wrestling star of all time, and there's three names, but even that third name would tell you what's the second name that I think is the first name. Uh, it's Hogan or Austin. And then some would say The Rock. But I think we said this before. We talked about it. I said it before. Rock is so big now because of Hollywood. You'll never know what he was as a wrestler outside of wrestling because he's already blown the doors off of that and made a name for himself otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Austin, God bless him, has failed to blow the doors off the roof of Hollywood with the occasional, like, he was in Expendables for a second or whatever. But Hogan and Austin as far as money goes, are the biggest draw. Hogan, far longer than anybody. Well, John Cena might be making a name for that. But Austin was really only on fire for about five years. But I think the difference is it was just Austin ripping ass for five years, whereas the Steiner brothers are doing it together. And mm-hmm. the landscape changes so much with tag teams. Like, there's a couple years where there's no one to even fight them. You know, so it's like they're fighting the Mulkies or the Ding Dongs. But, uh... But it's Austin, always, but it's always funny, TW. I know you're going to talk about Austin. I get where you're going no, with that with comparison. Austin. I'm just saying his dominance was a yeah. five-year window. It but is he a had a short long window. career. It's a short window, but he made a hell of an impact right. in tag team lore. Reflection X and TW. Everybody's always said that the number one tag team of all time, bar none, hands down, is Road Warriors. Because again, you again, 
you might shake your head, but <laughs> 99 out of 100 people will always say number one is the Road Wars. I've always said there's one in 1A, and my, my, own, my own opinion, which is right, uh, everybody knows this, is Road Wars is one, and Dudley Boys is 1A because of the yeah. accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're throwing yourself up, but you cannot deny the accomplishments. And I, I judge it on number the one. accomplishments. Number one. The Mokies? Okay, cool. I know. That's the Rockers. But, you know, everybody's criteria is different. I do my criteria on accomplishments, TW. And for the Steiner brothers, yes, they are on the argument for one of the greatest tag teams that are. And you know what the criteria is, TW? Do you know what the criteria is, Reflection Nights, before we get into the chronology of this tag team spotlight of the Steiner brothers? The, the accomplishments. You know, when you can win WWE. WCW, shut up. Anyway, <laughs> WWE, before I was rudely interrupted, WCW, Japan Tag Team Championships, you are, you are in a class by yourself because very few tag teams have that accolade, TW. Road Warriors, all Japan Tag Team Champions, plus AWA, WWF, and NWA Tag Team Champions. Steiner Brothers, WWE, WCW, New, J New Japan Tag Team Champions. We can talk about even the Young Bucks being tag team champions. They are one of the greatest tag team champions right now. They'll put them, people will put them on the list. Briscoe brothers are the same thing. Steiner brothers are the same thing. But that kind of accomplishments catapults teams into, the, you know, into that discussion, TW, whether you like it or you don't like it. Now, another, like maybe you're going to say who drew the most money. Road Warriors are the only tag team can only be on that argument saying they drew the most money. That's why, hands down, they're the number one tag team. Anything underneath it has got to be accomplished. So what's the UTW? And then we'll start the chronology of the style. I already was going to destroy your logic for the, the Dudley boys being it because you said of all their tag team title wins all over the places, that would make Ultimo Dragon and Matt Cardona the greatest wrestlers of all time. But you ruined it by adding the Young Bucks and the Briscoes and God bless Impact and Ring of Honor and AEW, but those are not WCW, AWA, NWA, WWE, New Japan. Now, if the, that's still the, your criteria, the tradition, the criteria I'm going to show you the guys who, and I don't argue, the Road Warriors are the greatest tag team of all time. They're not my favorite. That's mm -hmm. the difference, right? Subjective. Mm -hmm. So, the Road Warriors are the I greatest. You got, tag a of all time. you got a bushwhacker. You got a bushwhacker. Yeah. First of bush all, let's call them the fucking sheep herders because that's when they were ripping shit up and mm -hmm. won tag team titles in thirty countries. And if they were not heels, they would have been tag team champions in all those places. But they're the guys who you brought in to make the Road Warriors over, to make the Rock and Roll Express over, to make whoever they feuded the with these blood feuds. They are the reason those people were popular because these guys did their job and made you hate them. However, when they did become babies and they were the Bushwhackers, they were never brought in to win tag team titles. I think they knew it. They knew they were at the end of their career. They were there to be a Coco Beware, to be a Junkyard Dog, to be an ambassador to the kids. Because I've said this a million times, everything is for the kids. That's who they're booking for almost exclusively for years other than the Attitude Era, where you had no choice because the kids grew uh -huh. up in the wrong place. I'm going to take the argument that you gave me about The Rock and throw it back to you about the Bushwhackers. Nobody knows about the Sheep Herders. 
unless you're a real hardcore fan. Everybody knows right? the pushback no. history, and that's why they're not even in that argument of great. Exactly, the most memorable. They're one of the most memorable. you that it ain't the Dudley Boys. Not to mention, I have zero figures of theirs. So, the bottom line is, it's subjective. And again, you will not get an argument from me. You're right. You lost me at Dudley Boys. All right, because I said you. Well, you you like can say Edge Christian or Hardys. How do you not say Hardys? When you say Briscoes and Young Bucks, when the Hardys... I was in the top ten. Again, it's subjective no, 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 no. accomplishments. You, right. But you said people could say because of their title wins. Mm. The Hardys, the night before WrestleMania, where they had this third biggest pop in WrestleMania history, they lo- they were the Impact and Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. They have been Impact Tag Team Champions. Yeah. They have been... They probably will be AEW champions before long. They were WWE multiple-time champions. They were SmackDown champions, Raw champions, undisputed champions. They have a laundry list of title victories. But again, getting back to my point with Rick Steiner has all these different other facets of his career. And then not to mention Scott Steiner as Scott Rex Steiner when he was in WWA, which he trained around here down in mm-hmm. Ohio, but wrestled in Michigan. Then he became Scott Steiner with his brother. I already knew who he was because of Coach Kurt's wrestling hotline. Then he goes from being that to being Big Papa Pump, which is a whole nother 20-year run, 15-year run, as something completely different. So much like I would never say the Rockers are the greatest tag team of all time because Sean did too much after that. Brett did too much after that for the Hart Foundation to be. It's, it's not their sole identity. And so if Rick and Scott, would have been nothing but a tag team the whole time. Like, I mean, I can't believe neither one of us has said this team since because other than the York Foundation, and that was short-lived, the Rock and Roll Express are pretty much, their career is synonymous with each other. Like, it's, of course, Ricky was only it's York Foundation because Rob Roll. Right. Yeah, it's still right. one of the tops. Again, it's very subjective. You're right, TW. It's always subjective. I do, I have to put certain teams with their accomplishments, title victories, a little bit ahead of other people who have good runs as tag teams. But that's just me. Question. Because this is probably the only team that would have inevitably had the chance to do what the Road Warriors did. And I know they were WWE tag team champions. I mm-hmm. think they were WCW tag team champions course, and yeah. U.S. champions. The Nasty Boys, were they ever AWA tag team champions? No. So had they won them, there'd be two. Well, Nasty Boys never did anything in Japan to even qualify. Or qualify. No, no, I know that. But the Road Warriors claimed the fame where they were the first team to ever, and only, to win NWA, AWA, WWF tag team titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the the nasties were a third of the way there and had the opportunity to do it. Then you have Scott Hall, I think, did do it as Razor Ramon, but Kurt Hennig was AWA Tag Team Champion, WCW Tag Team Champion, but I don't think he was ever WWE Tag Team Champion. But no. I think Scott Hall was individually had the belts in all three promotions. Y- yeah, but wasn't again, he tag chance with one two three kid? But now you're, you're conflating the, the, the title accomplishments where you're trying to take my argument a little bit differently. But, again, you have to have no, impact no, 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 within no. that title. You uh, brought that shit up with the Dudleys just saying because they won belts everywhere. But they were high on the card, too. So you can't deny the, the character, oh. the chemistry. Too. Razor Ramon wasn't high on a card? No, no, no. No, I'm talking about what you say with uh, with Kurt Henning being with the accomplishments. No, I'm just, By the I'm time just we're talking WCW. about tag team belts. I'm yeah. wondering if there are guys who have won them, but not as a team with the same guy. You know, I don't even know now that I think about it. Was Kurt Henning ever WCW tag champ? I think he yeah. was. Yeah. The, 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 the Rednecks, the West Texas, yeah. Texas Rednecks. Yeah. Yeah. But, and neither here nor there. But 
again, the argument is there, TW. The argument is there, Reflectionites, that all the Steiner brothers may be top five tag team champions. Again, like you said, TW, it's very subjective. But I can say this unequivocally. WCW tag team champions. WCW US tag team champions. WWE tag team champions. IWGP tag team champions. You cannot take those prestigious, and that's what I wanted to say, prestigious accomplishments away from them. Of course, you can talk about those indie titles that they got in the 2000s, but everybody has those kind of indie accomplishments, TW. So I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not going to respect it, but of course, that's a laundry list of accomplishments for a tag team like the Steiner Brothers. But we are going to focus, Reflectionites, on the decade, if you will, of dominance from 89 to 98, respectively. So TW, you can talk about... What the hell was that? Closing out apps because I got to get back to my. I just closed out the Wikipedia I had for WWE. I thought Zuckerberg was trying to get into this podcast, but anyway, neither here nor there. But anyway, <laughs> the Steiner brothers actually their their debut reflection nights was kind of like it wasn't very impactful. TW because the first time that they were on TV together or on pay per view was actually Shy Town Rumble in February of 1989. You even said at TW that Rick Steiner already had a stellar career even before the, the Steiner brothers even came together. So I'm going to focus on Rick Steiner because he was the guy that had to elevate his younger brother because Scott Steiner's career was very, I would say, even keeled. He was in AWA. He was, you said he was in WWA and up, up, up in your neck of the woods. He was Memphis. in Mid-South. Mid he, he was in Mid-South. So he was trugging along with the Steiner name. But I guess a lot of people, unless you were really in in the know, probably didn't know that Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner were related. They just thought it was just another Ham and Eggers Steiner, and then Rick Steiner had all the glory because, like you said, Rick Steiner was Hot Stuff International. Rick Steiner was Varsity Club. And Rick Steiner in 1989 was already an NWA or WCW television champion. So he was already in a high-profile program, if you will. He was already branching out to be a single star. So you was going to say something, and then I'll, I'll get into the crown. Go ahead. The reason I knew Scott Steiner was Rick's brother is because they're from here, and there was a weekly wrestling column by Coach Kurt that was also a hotline. Actually, okay. yeah, Coach Kurt did more like a results, but then ML Curley. But he didn't wrestle as Scott Steiner. He wrestled as Scott Rex Steiner, which is their real last name, mm-hmm. which looks like Rick Steiner is one word, but it's R-E-C-H instead of R-I-C-K. Um, so I think either by choice or or by Rick's asking, I think he wasn't using the Steiner name, probably on his own, just to see if he could get over on his own, because otherwise, mm-hmm. hey, why are you here? Like, it, it's almost a catch-22, because you're a failure because you're here and not there, but also mm-hmm. you could be an embarrassment if you're not good at it. So you kind of got to see if you got the wheels to move the bus, if you will, before you come and join your brother and, and then be change your name to Scott Steiner. Well, we could say that Scott Steiner paid his dues by doing the programs in WWA, doing the programs in AWA, right. doing the programs in Mid-South. So he earned that respect. And, of course, we can say politics played an integral part of Scott Steiner coming to the NWA on the behest of his older brother, Rick Steiner, who's protecting his younger brother, you know, making sure that, you know, they stay together, they can do business together. But, you know, technically, no one saw this coming because – I just want to say the the debut of Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner together was Scott Steiner was in Rick Steiner's corner because the character that Rick Steiner was playing 
in in the 1989 TW, he was kind of like he had cuckoo. a screw loose. He was cuckoo. <laughs> he had a he had a talking uh, hand puppet named Alex. So Scott Steiner was now coming in to straighten him out and keep him on the even keel and try to focus on being a great NWA television champion, even though he lost on Shytown Run against Mike Rotunda. So now that since now that you could say that singles run of Rick Steiner kind of flopped or the bookers behind the scenes just wasn't behind the Rick Steiner train, if you will. It was apropos. Maybe this was a Jim Ross thinking because I always think Jim Ross has an affinity for people who represents colleges, you know, like Jack Swagger, right. he would be in Oklahoma, right. Dr. That Steve Williams from Oklahoma. And now you got Rick and Scott Steiner from Michigan. So you put them together initially tw in 1989 they were branded with missy hyatt and hot stuff eddie gilbert so they could get that quick rub because hot stuff eddie gilbert's a known name missy hyatt's a known ballet. as the steiner brothers yes as the stein brothers wow so, didn't even know that but in the beginning of 1989 tw they were untapped potential tag team because of course the number one tag team in the nwa at that time was the road warriors so a lot of people a lot of pundits, if you will, reading the after mags, they were saying that the, if the Steiner brothers get that kind of run, you know, impressive wins here and there, TW, the dream match was the Steiner brothers against the Road Warriors. What say you before we even talk about the matches that I had you watch? And which just is, in that, which is some, that setting that's alone. Some, that, that's some pretty heavy weight to put on a young team. But, yeah, I mean, hindsight for sure, that was the inevitability was those two because, because – I mean, it's Steiners and Road Warriors. Why wouldn't you? But they had some pretty awesome matches with other teams before they even made it to the Road Warriors. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Freebirds, Midnights, uh, all that. So, and then when they went to see that's that's another thing I'm saying. By the time they got to the WWE, there's really shit left for tag teams. There, it's Money Inc. For Christ's sakes! But you you know, it's like it's not like they were there in '87 when you had the Brainbusters, the Rockers, the Young Stallions, Valentine and Beatcake, I think, were still a team, at, or at least the timing was them. was very crap for the Steiner brothers to go to the WWE. But let's just focus on the NWA here because, unlike the WWE, please don't take a picture of your junk. What the hell are you doing? I I know you, you try. I do this every week. I do the little teaser photo on the pro wrestling. Reflection Facebook oh, page. Okay, I thought this was like a Tinder pick for for some chick, man. You doing this in front of, while we're doing a PWR podcast? But anyway, TW, they were an untapped potential tag team. Again, the Road Warriors were the number one tag team. Think about this, TW, in 1989 for the NWA purposes. You got the Steiner brothers, you got the Road Warriors, you got the Skyscrapers, you got the Samoan SWAT team. You just said it, the Fabulous Freebirds, the Midnight Express. The tag team division was stacked. Fire, as the young kids say. Yeah, it was on fire. But, T.W., like you said, that's a lot of weight for a tag team like the Steiner Brothers because, again, for them to be the baby faces, one of the top baby faces, to go against the Freebirds, the tag team of Doom. I didn't even say Doom yet. But, you know, right? that is a lot of pressure. Let's say you as a wrestler. If a booker has that kind – maybe Jim Russ – had that kind of vision for the for the Steiner brothers. May, I can't say it's Jim Hurd because Jim Hurd's running the ship. I can't give him I can't give him any credit. It has to be Jim Ross, maybe Ric Flair, maybe Jim Cornette behind the scenes saying, Rick, Scott, 
we see big things with you. What, what say you as a wrestler, maybe getting that kind of seal of approval behind the scenes, knowing that they're trying to, they're trying to give you, you know, as much ammunition as possible to succeed in the world of professional wrestling. I think if you're Rick Steiner, cause you've been floundering, is that the word floundering? That's a good word. You've been, You've been around since 87, since the merger with UWF, plus however long he was around before that. You're grateful. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, my ship's finally coming in. And then you're Scott Steiner, who I think we would all agree has, uh, I absolutely believe in myself mentality, where the, the, another term the kids say a lot these days is, let's fucking go. I think that would be Scott Steiner's mentality. Like, yeah, give me that ball. Let me show you what I can do. And I, and I think they did it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we always – bounce back and forth in time i it's kind of the current scene in wrestling right now if i believed in myself if i'm the signers i stay in wcw because the cream rises to the top is the mentality right there's Mm -hmm. so many good teams there that you want to rise up prove you're the best of the best and the wwe scene was so nothing you know there was nothing in 92 93 by the time they got there it ended up getting better but you know you got it was Typhoon and Earthquake got put together. Money got put together. Like, all these teams, and God bless them at least for giving them names, because Mm -hmm. nowadays they just throw two guys together, and the only ones that get names are if you team with uh, Randy Orton or or Chris Jericho, you get a name. No, no, I'm saying something with the do with RKO, the rated RKO, the RK Bro. RK Bro. Miz Show Bro or whatever. It's just, it's it's tacky as shit, although I do like RK Bro, the name. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway... Or you have the flip side. If you're a team, and I think this is what the Road Warriors ended up doing, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, they see the writing on the wall, they finally do make the jump to the WWF, right? Where mm-hmm. there's nothing there. And I think the Steiners might even have went there first. I'm not really sure when the Road no, Warriors second. got there. They did go second. Road Warriors, but by the, Road Warriors but by got the, there in 90. Which there was still Nasty Boys, Powers of Pain, Heart Foundation, Rockers, you know, still whatever. So... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I think by the time the signers got there, the Road Warriors were gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, nowadays, if you're somebody, we'll use Cesaro as an example. Do you want to be yet another guy being a big announcement going to AEW? And, yeah, you might have your time in the sun for six months, but then you're going to go to Rampage or Dark. Or do you want to be the guy, like, that goes to Impact and all of a sudden helps elevate impact because you're going to be the big fish in the small pond there versus even if you're a big fish, you're in a big pond or at least a crowded one by going there. So I liked it, the Steiners, and I think it says a lot about them that, that they took the ball and ran with it because they could have – back then you could leave and go whenever you wanted. It really weren't long-term contracts like there are now. That started a couple years later, you know. I mean, some right. guys had contracts, but a lot of guys – their contracts weren't long. They were handshakes. Well, WCW was the first to have yeah. guaranteeing contracts. So, TW, let, let's look at this before we even talk about some, like some of the matches. There was so many Reflection Nights. So, TN Kupana, shout-outs to TN Kupana. A Reflection Night through and through gave me a couple of matches to watch, but there were so many. There were so many <laughs> TN Kupana. So, I tried my best for TW to look at a couple of And TW was already bitching at me because I gave him, like, 20-minute matches. It ain't my fault, brother. But let's talk about at least the style, T.W., about the Steiner brothers. Because, you know, the Hart Foundation, let, let's use the Hart Foundation as an example. Bret Hart's technical, Jim the Animal, Nine Hearts the Bruiser, comes in with the hot tag. The Steiner brothers, look-wise, 
we could say that Scott Steiner is the technical guy because he's more aerial. He's got the Frankensteiner. And then Rick Steiner is the heater, the man who comes in with the hot tags, with Arn. the Steiner line, the 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 back suplexes and all that. But both of them did the suplexes. Belly so to they, belly. Were the, yeah. they both did belly to belly suplexes. But what's the ETW about the style of the Steiner brothers match? It's funny you say that because at one point, one of the matches I did watch of the 37, 20-minute matches, it was always Rick taking the hot tag. And and I noticed, I'm like, what the sh-? I'm like, Rick's making the hot tag again? Like, Scott should be the guy coming in with the rah, rah, rah stuff. It was the Midnight Express match that we watched. And, mm-hmm. and Scott came in to take the ass whooping, which, again... Also makes sense because he's the young guy, and that's the angle they're playing is just a younger, inexperienced brother. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense that he took the heat. But Rick coming in, and to Rick's credit, he came in awesome because he hits some Steiner lines and then barks and runs around and does those. They're called belly-to-belly overhead because of mm-hmm. belly-to-belly sideways like Yokozuna would do. And right. then, and then, but like you said, Scott does it off the top rope to like three different guys in these matches you had me watch, and one of which was he was ninety-seven years old doing it to a guy bigger than him. And he, I, both times I thought there was two guys. Both times I thought we're going to break their neck on that move, but but Rick did a good job doing the hot tag. He did what you're supposed to do with a hot tag. He came in and cleaned house, and then you know popped the crowd or whatever. But you would think, looking at them, yeah, that it would be Scott would be the rah rah guy, the technical guy. And Rick would be the powerhouse, but and I'm telling you, there's there's nobody to this day. Randy Orton does a pretty good power slam. Uh, Lex Luger started out with the best in the business and progressively got worse because uh, he he didn't even do 360. Animal had a pretty good one too, but Scott or Rick Steiner, when he catches a guy who's leapfrogging him and mm-hmm. then turns him and does the body slam, it, it's a thing of beauty and. He even did it in the Impact match we watched where he's, a, he's 87 years old. Which, that one kind of hurt to watch because Scott Steiner to me got old when he dyed his hair blonde, if this makes any sense. Like, like other than that, he's in the best shape of his life, but he looks like a little – he reminded me of Billy Graham. And he just – he got old the second he bleached his hair and bleached his mustache. I never liked that look. He was never one of my – he was – he was one of two people that I would take the picture to the barbershop and get my hair cut. Him and Lex Luger, I'd take their pictures there. Mm-hmm. Once he once he shaved his head and bleached it and didn't have that mustache, he was no longer one of the sexy guys. You know what I mean? He was a heel you wanted to boo, not a heel you wanted to cheer. Like like okay, um, I, I give but, you that. But hey, but again. Rick Steiner and that Dudley Boys match, I'm like ouch, because he always looked like Braun. He just looked like a brick shit house. But in that Impact match from 07. Yeah, that was 07. He, we'll talk oh, man, we'll talk he looked like an old man in there, and it broke my heart. And I thought, shit, that's 15 years ago. So now he looks like Jimmy Garvin, except in his Hall of Fame speech. But uh, time waits for no man. You know, Mother Nature or, whatever, or Father Time is always undefeated. That's what they would say. You know, again, I, I always appreciated a, a Steiner Brothers match reflection ice because, again, it didn't matter to, you know, the formula is there, like T.W. said, but I think both of them could have took the hot tag. And I think, you know, Scott Steiner took a hot tag here and there because, you know, he did some innovative moves that no one saw, you know, especially for a big man. We got to talk about a T.W., the Frankensteiner. He did it off the right. top rope. He did it when he slingshot a guy across the ropes, T.W. It was so innovative, not only because it wasn't like the size of Shawn Michaels or Marty Jannetty doing a Frankensteiner. We would have called it just a, a head, 
a head scissors, a flying monkey head flip, scissors, reverse monkey, monkey flip, <laughs> yeah, or, or something like that. So Scott Steiner almost, you know, visually with the Frankenstein at TW, made that move his own. That no one really can do it. No one really has tried to copy it because it's a very dangerous move to do for yourself to do it. You, you can be. I'm shocked that Scott Steiner is not, you know, maybe partially paralyzed from doing that on a night-to-night basis. What say you about the Frankensteiner move? Funny enough, going back to the future again. Okay. If the internet was around when Scott Steiner did that move the first time, it would be 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, which is my reaction. Because, sorry, internet nerds, that's the first time I ever saw that damn move. But he was accused of stealing that move from some guy in Japan. Of course. Or to Mexico, this day, I way. still don't know who the hell it is because I still know Scott Steiner did the Frankensteiner. Don't they call it Huracurana? Her- yeah. So it might have been Mexico but or, or Japanese mm-hmm. show with a Mexican wrestler. But mm-hmm. I remember reading that right away. Like, yeah, he stole that move. Well, I got news for you. To this day, no matter how many times the Young Bucks do a super kick, nobody calls it sweet chin music. And no matter how many Huracuranas you hear or see, you don't hear him call him Frankensteiner because that dude, I will, I don't know where I was. I don't know how old I was. I just know the first time I saw that damn Frankensteiner, I stood up. Like, you talk about huge pop. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, because mm-hmm. like you said, it's such a dangerous move. He did it at 100 miles an hour at 250 or 240, whatever the hell he weighed. And that dude I think jumped. At that time in the 80s and 90s, he was like 265. Right. And he's jumping to throw his legs around your head. So you're standing up. So he, mm-hmm. he's doing a five-foot vertical to do it and then has to go backwards all in one fluid motion because the guy's running at you. I took a Frankensteiner off the top rope from El Fuego. I was so fucking scared. I, it's funny because that was in probably, shit, I don't even know, 96, 97. To this day, when I watch people take Frankensteiners off the top rope, they're so easy that I had no idea why I was so afraid to take it when all I had to really do was just do a front flip. But I was so like, I don't want to land on my fucking head because every time I saw Scott Steiner do a Frankensteiner, that's what I thought was someone's landing on their head or he's landing on his head. So right. I was deathly afraid of taking that. I've never taken one standing, but top rope is such an easy bump. You just, you, you know, and I actually went sideways and caused Fuego to go the other way and he almost got hurt. And, uh, I apologize to him. I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna lie to you. I go, I, I, got, I was up there. I was scared shitless because he did off the top. We didn't. We weren't sitting. You thought it was more. You thought it was more extreme off the top rope. Right. It was the right. most. It was. But it was what easier. Scott Steiner, what Scott Steiner's doing off the slingshot is more scarier right. because you, right. you said there's a lot of trust factors. So within the chronology T, uh, TW and the reflection ice, we'll try to. I'll try to abbreviate it as best as I can. Because like, again, there's so many matches, so many matches. But <laughs> let's focus on 1989 because again, they are building their rep every Saturday night on WCW Saturday night, every Sunday night on WCW main event. But their first program, you could say a mid card program, involved the Steiner brothers, Doom, and a and a and a lovely lady who's you know God rest. Her, God rest her soul, woman, Nancy Benoit, whatever you want to call it, TW. But they played a, they played a, a good storyline here where woman was called Robin Green. She was the number one fan of Rick Steiner. She looked nerdy. She had the pony. She had like the pippy long stockings. She had the ugly clothes. And she just and she had those big, thick nerd glasses. 
and Rick Steiner was enamored with being, you know, that he had a crush. And then it was all a plan to get woman onto the mainstream. And then the first high-profile Steiner Brothers match was Halloween Havoc 1989, where it was Doom. And I laughed because they had Ron Simmons and Butch Reed in the mask. And everybody, even Philly was laughing because they knew who it was. Guess who did it? You, Travis Voltz. Travis Foltz just made a joke to him yesterday that he popped for. Mm-hmm. Oh he never God. knew. He did not know right away. Travis, I, I'm going to pull your wrestling card away from you. Everybody <laughs> in Philly knew. I knew I laughed. I didn't laugh because it was, it, was a, it was a weird combination. I just laughed because I knew who they were. And I was like, why are they in masks? Just take the mask off. Doom would have been so much better without the mask. But again, or at least not- have a, a better mask. Like the mask was like... Was so Jobber obvious. Mask. Yeah. It was like we're not. We're just. We're trying. Hope or you was, don't know it's me because I'm. I'm champion in the next town over. It was. It was, assa- like, it was wow. the black. It was the black assassin's mask. But that's how bad it was. It, you know. Again, but this was a an introduction for the Steiner brothers to have a good high profile program, and of course, you know, I like that match from Halloween Havoc Reflection Nights and TW. I, yeah, I've always reveled about that Halloween Havoc match. Again. I know we're not talking about this match per se because I didn't have you watch it, but Steiners and Doom had great chemistry because there were four brolic dudes. Ron Simmons, Butch Reed. Did you just make that Scott. word up? Like brawlers, but brolic? No, brolic is a word. Brolic That's is, a word? That is a word. You never heard it? Now you, you never heard you, Euchre, so we're even. Okay, that, that's good. But let's <laughs> say if you want to talk about the, the Doom, well, we could talk about the Doom match that I had you watch. Or you just talk about the chemistry because there were all four big dudes that made it work. Even though I, I would say Butch Reed is, you know, a little bit waning, uh, waning, winding down right. in his career. But that's the so perfect yeah. time to be in a tag team. Of course. But it was like four guys. It was like they were all strong dudes. They were all they, they had like 20-inch pythons. They, they could all, all hit. They all had hit. What, let's say about the chemistry between these four. I mean, th- this was a rivalry that's very underappreciated in my humble opinion. So go ahead. I TW. think I think Doom as a tag team is underappreciated. I think you did a spotlight for them, so you know I, he, I he appreciated think, them. Right, dude. I, Ron Simmons is the reason I cheered for Florida State for as long as mm-hmm. I did. So, uh, but I, I want to say Ron Simmons was in UWF first, and then NWA, and they you know just wasn't he wasn't gaining catching traction, whatever. And then he once he was with Doom, it was. To the moon, you know. Hey, man, Cameron Grimes, I'm putting you over. Mm-hmm. But he was, that was it. That was strapping the rockets to him because that's when his career took off and he became the first ever black world heavyweight champion. Um, mm-hmm. It's disputed. I guess it was some Carney guy was a black world champion before there. Probably some ulterior motives behind Let, it. Let's but focus on the Spanish. Major. Focus major. On the, no, on the doom. but I'm saying, you you say it's a, it's a that's a pretty big, uh, like, you trusted Butch Reed to not only elevate Ron Simmons, but also Scott Steiner's young. It's a young tag team. There's a lot of weight on Butch Reed's shoulders because he's the guy. You asked me last week when you got guys in there who's calling the match. Butch Reed's probably calling that shit or at least mm-hmm. uh, vetoing stuff. No, nope, we ain't doing that. Yeah, okay, we can do that. You know what I mean? Or I'm giving Butch too much credit, and he was just like, what are we doing? And then he did it. You know, whatever the case right. may be, not giving enough credit. I would I would gather Scott probably had the confidence to call stuff, but but the point is on paper, if you're Dusty, if you're Flair or whoever hurt, or, and and you're like, all right, we want these guys to be big. Who can we put them with? 
and you put them with Ron and, and Butch Reed, that's a compliment to those guys. And I think mm-hmm. it paid off because you just said it's an underrated feud, I agree, underrated tag team that wasn't together long. So it's almost like they were formed just to help elevate the Steiners and then mm-hmm. went their separate ways. But they had matches with the Road Warriors and, and Skyscrapers and stuff like that. Teddy Long ended up with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know Woman was with them until the match I watched the other day. So, Well, what's the no match that I had you watch that was a couple of days after they won the tag team titles from the Fabulous Freebirds? It, it, was, it, it was predictable because – Coming up was that Battle Bowl shit. Not Battle Bowl, but uh, the Super Brawl where yeah, four wrestlers Iron, all... The Iron, the Iron Man special. Yeah. So you knew since them two and the Road Warriors were... And then the Skyscrapers might have been the fourth team. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, don't worry. Jim I, Cornette, I, will exp- I will explain Jim, it. Don't worry. Jim Cornette said it best. He goes, there's a reason Midnight Express aren't in here. Because let these four idiots beat the hell out of each other. And we'll pick the bones when they're done. So mm-hmm. I knew... Since the pay-per-view was that next weekend, we were going to get a dusty finish, and we got it. But it was a good match leading up to it, and everything made sense. And for WCW Saturday night, it still sends people home happy because you're setting up for the pay-per-view. That's that's what your TV show does, and or setting up house business before pay-per-views. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it was a solid match. Uh, you wouldn't know that. The four of them weren't teaming for long. They, they they worked well together, and it looks real. You know what I mean? That's I think that's where your brawlistic or whatever the hell that word you made up. Brolic, brolic. They 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 laid into each other, and I think also, in my opinion, when everybody's laying in everybody, that's a sign of respect that most internet nerds don't see or they don't catch. Right? You know, mm-hmm. when you see you see guys barely hitting guys, and the other guys beating the shit out of them. It's clear one of them's the alpha, one of them is not. And that's why, uh, that's why I say it's the most underrated feud because, like you said, they all were stiff with each other. Yeah, and they all trusted yeah. each other to be that stiff. That's yeah. why and I like beers in the back. Of course, it was so intense when you looked at those matches reflection. I see. That's why I said I kind of, you know, maybe we might have to do a rivalries edition, the Steiners against Doom, so we can see all these matches, the maturation of this feud. You know against these two but that's another show for another time but the funny thing tw about the match it was actually you're talking about this pay-per-view of starcade 89 the iron man special but the funny thing tw is this tag team of the steiner brothers it's so like the 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 timeline is so short in 1989 that they become the tag team champions and they win it from the fabulous freebirds so there was a lot of entrustment if you will to give the Steiner brothers that huge rub of becoming the NWA world tag team champions in such a short amount of time. I mean, putting this in comparison reflection nights and TW, you can answer this right now. The road wars were in the NWA from since 1985. It, it took them three years to legitimately become the NWA world tag team champions. The Steiner brothers get lumped together February of 1989, and they win the World Tag Team Championships in November. That's, what is it? That's nine months together as a tag team. So, you know, you could talk about politics. You could talk about what, but what I think, in my humble opinion, is Jim Hurd, Jim Ross, Jim Cornette, Ric Flair, whoever the booking committee, or Kevin Sullivan, if I remember correctly about that booking committee, they were prepping the Steiner brothers to become the tag team of the future of the 1990s. 
What say you, TW, about that assessment? Well, the landscape of wrestling changed also when the World Warriors finally did it. 85 was the first WrestleMania. So mm-hmm. WWE wasn't a threat yet. So I can't believe I just called them WWE. So many times I call them WWF. That's when they it are. It don't matter. So, it's still the same thing. So, so WWF's not a threat yet. So you don't have to, quote, unquote, keep people happy. So by the time 89 rolls around, you have a combination of I got to keep people happy because think about it. By 89, the Brain Busters left. The Road Warriors were about to. Um, Rick Rude came back, left, came back, whatever. You know, Rick Rude used to fucking flip back and forth before he stayed in WWE for a while. Um, so a lot of these guys would be like, and as you said, they were the first to start laying out contracts because they saw the writing on the wall like, man, if we push these guys at all, the powers of pain. As soon as they got any kind of popularity, they left. You know what I mean? And Luger mm-hmm. thought about it. They said Sting has been – Vince has reached out to Sting since 88. So, you know, it's like – and then also you have to build stars. And I would say you, – you know how the old NWA worked, right? They got together once a year, and they mapped mm-hmm. out the entire year for the world champion. That's why you knew when they got won the seven. world title, he was losing it back to that guy before the next meeting. And then they would pick the next year. So it started becoming predictable. But tag team wrestling in 87, 88 is probably the peak because that's when you had those two Survivor Series tag team matches with 10 teams. And then we already talked about how stacked at uh, WCW and NWA, whatever you want to call it, still NWA at that point, how stacked that was. And the AWA had the fucking Headhunter or the hang- Hangmen and Nasty Boys and, and whatever other te- rockers. Uh, they, they had teams. So tag team wrestling was was the new, if it was an AEW meme, it would be the one getting in the pool with Tony Khan, right? Well, mm-hmm. Intercontinental's drowning in Worlds at the bottom because Hogan has it for 18 years in a row. Um, so Tenji Wrestling's the new it. And I think, and again, I, I think injuries and, and his own demons curtailed it. But I think people knew Scott Steiner was the next big thing. Like he, that dude just, oh, well, I'll, boy, I'll get into that. Your boy, Mike a, Awesome. Your boy, Mike Awesome, is the next Scott Steiner. He's bigger than Scott. He's heavier than Scott. He's taller. And he's doing all the shit Scott did. So Scott Steiner had, like, money written all over him. And, yeah, you do the tag team. You get all the accolades. I mean, that's the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels way. You get all these, you know, trophies for your your case before going solo. And then, boom, now you're a singles wrestler and to the moon, you know. And Mm -hmm. I think that was the plan with Scott. Uh, I think probably back then, Scott was like, "No, I'm not leaving Rick." Because I bet you they tried talking him into going singles long before he did. Uh, no, there is there is a story about this, but I'll, I'll yeah, get into. I that, don't know but it, but yeah, I, so, I kind of know it, but, it, but yeah, it, it's, it's funny. It's definitely, it's, funny. It's, it's definitely obvious someone had faith in the Steiner brothers, and it was justified, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Yeah, it, it was. Like I said, it, it's very kind of weird that the Road Warriors, it took them three years to become the tag team champions. Of course, they didn't need the tag team championships, TW, for validation, but it just sealed it. Who who was champions? Because they, they were chasing them, right? Who? I know I know. Raging Bull and Rick Rude were tag champs for a minute. Rock and the, Roll. Who did the Road Warriors finally beat or who they were chasing? Yeah. Like they, find, they beat the they Midnight Express even, to become the tag team champions. Who beat the Rock and Roll Express? No, they they beat the Brainbusters. Oh, oh wow! They I didn't don't, get I, to them. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. They they chased 
a lot of teams. But again, with, I don't want to get into other tag teams. I just want to focus on the Steiner brothers because again, nine months, it's such a short time. No, I had in a that point window. of bringing that up. I was having mm-hmm. a point because I think the Road Warriors were bad guys at first and then good guys because they were so popular. You had no they choice. Were just, yeah, they were so. But, but like if I you said, recall. They, the they didn't NWA need the belts. Mantra. That's what I'm trying to say. No. They didn't need the belts no, for validation. No, 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 not just that. But if you recall, the NWA way was heel champion, babyface chaser. So mm-hmm. that's what it was. So to put the belts on the Steiners like they did is letting the world know this ain't the same NWA it used to be. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. I'll give you that. There's there's an identity change at that point, too. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here, but I can't quit. <laughs> no, don't worry. You're taking too many dick pics. That's the problem. But anyway... You was talking about the the 1989 Starcade pay per view, which was the Iron Man ta- uh, special. There was, the, you know, who was going to be the greatest tag team and the greatest single stars of WCW or NWA. And in that tag team's kind of tournament, because it was a round robin tournament, TW, the Steiner brothers and the Road Warriors actually fought each other, and the Steiner brothers beat the Road Warriors via the countout, but they got the points, TW. So. It was very big, even at that at that moment. The granddaddy of them all, or the biggest pay-per-view of NWA or WCW, you want to call it, the Steiner Brothers on that platform defeated the Road Warriors. Even though the Road Warriors won the Iron Man tournament at the end of the night because it was, it was a scoring round robin, the Steiner Brothers can say, we beat the Road Warriors at the peak, at the prime of their tag team run. What say you about that? Because like you just said, every all your diatribe is validation that they are the tag team of the future. They are the tag team of the 90s, and that was the biggest rub. that they But we're still humbled by not winning the whole thing, so that's good. But in in that match with with Doom, they talked about the fact that the Steiner brothers said they would never wrestle the the Road Warriors because those are their friends other than because of the stakes of this tournament. So they they put their friendship aside for this tournament and then go out and have a baby-baby match. They win. But the Road Warriors win the whole deal, and I'm mm-hmm. sure at some point the Steiners congratulated them or something, or hit them over the head with the trophy, Bad News no. Brown style. I don't know. But, again, no cable for me back then yet. I'm still pre-cable I, days. I had cable, so, you know, again, it was it was a very big deal to me that the Steiner brothers got that kind of rub win. Right. It's it's And nowadays it wouldn't happen. And, and when I saw that, everybody, you know, it, it, was a, it was a shame that it was at the Omni because it wasn't sold out. So seeing it on pay-per-view and being the hardcore fan that I was because I love the NWA and WWF. I was watching NWA and WWF TW, so I was like, damn, we, we're getting the Steiners. We're getting the Road Warriors in this match. My thought process, because I was getting into the, the mode of storytelling and the mode of wanting to see this, you know, propel at sh- like Chi-Town Rumble or Bash 89, I was like, we might get Steiners against the Road Warriors down the road maybe for those tag team titles, but it was never meant to be reflectionized because, again, Jim Hurd did not know what the fuck he was doing, but <laughs> neither here nor there. So let's get into the 1990s because I gave you a third match to watch. Now, again, the Steiner brothers are already built that rep. They are the number one face tag team in WCW or number two behind the Road Warriors. But, like you said, the Road Warriors would leave WCW to go to the WWF. So it's de facto that the Steiner Brothers become the number one tag team. So they must prove themselves on a nightly basis. And I gave you a third match. Now they're facing one of the, another, arguably one of the greatest tag teams of all time in the 1990s. 
and this was for the United States Tag Team titles, one of the most underrated tag team titles or championships of all time. I love the red belt design, TW, but again, I don't want to put a diatribe on that, but it was for the United States Tag Team titles, and again, it's a validation of the accomplishments of the Steiner Brothers defending those U.S. Tag Team titles against one of the greatest, (coughs) excuse me, one of the greatest U.S. Tag Team champions of all time. The At that point, three times. What say you about this match? This is, again, another validation match for the Steiner Brothers. What year was this? 1990. So this is, this is, so I'm glad you mentioned those belts because you see my belts here. Mm-hmm. Over here, I have that belt hanging right there, which is the United States title that is synonymous with Lex Luger for me. A lot of people would say Magnum TA for them, and I would agree with that too. But Luger, Magnum, can't go, mm-hmm. Nikita even, can't go wrong. Dusty, um, but that's Luger's belt. Um, and so the U.S. tag belts, mm-hmm. U.S. tag belts are the intercontinental of tag team. And I don't think the U.S. or the TV title did what the intercontinental title did in WWE for the NWA. But those mm-hmm. U.S. tag belts did it for those tag champions who weren't the world tag team champions. So, but here's the problem with it. They were almost just as prestigious as the world tag team titles. And the reason I asked you the date is they won the world titles in 89 and then won the U.S. titles in 90. You wouldn't do that with the Intercontinental title until way later, right? Mm-hmm. But you won the Intercontinental first and then went on to bigger things. You didn't. So I think they did it backwards in that regard. And ironically, you just said the Midnights were the tag champions that the Road Warriors won it from couple years earlier and now here they are so it almost felt like a demotion but it ain't because and um bobby fulton is my friend on facebook i don't think he'll ever remember meeting me but we met once at the great american bash in chillicothe ohio 95 and recently he uh he 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 posted something um i can't remember what it was but i said hey man one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen in my life was the Fantastics versus Eddie Gilbert and Ron Simmons in the finals of that U.S. title tournament. He's mm-hmm. like, dude, thank you so much. He goes, I love that match. It was awesome. But Jim Ross and Cornette have ripped on that match, I guess. Bobby Fulton told me that in his reply. And I'm like, well, just goes to show you they're not always right, are they? Because that was the first match that had the overhead camera. for. Remember how Edge and Christian and uh, the mm-hmm. tables, ladders, and chairs matches that spear? Uh, with the Hardys, but the U.S. tag belts was not an insult to be the U.S. tag team champion, and and at that time, the Midnights were, A, fighting them to win their fourth time, and I wish they would have done it in hindsight. Had they won the match, then the main event at the pay-per-view was going to change from the Steiners versus the Nasty Boys to the Midnight Express versus the Nasty Boys, and I want to see that happen. It's probably happened once or twice in both promotions, NWA and WCW, where a guy lost his belt and it changed the pay-per-view match, but it doesn't happen enough. I wish it did. They've teased at it happening. I think even recently, like if Roman lost his belt on SmackDown, then someone else is fighting Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, that kind of thing. Or I think it was Bobby Lashley if he beat uh, Brock. If I go into my mental Rolodex, there has been a couple of times that WCW did that. They they did it once or twice, but okay. Yeah, but but not enough. And... Mm -hmm. I, I wish they had. So, um, I can't. Wasn't this a dusty finish? There was no victor. 
Dusty wasn't there to have a Dusty. He wasn't in there. It's still called a Dusty finish. Dude, Dusty's not here for about 10 years, and he's still Dusty finishes. I'm they just saying. A, they just had a Dusty th- finish on Monday Night Raw when Kevin Owens quit and left Cody Rhodes in the ring. Well, that, that, that's neither here nor there, T.W., but when you look at this match, the Midnight Express can have a match with a broomstick and make right. it a five-star classic. The Steiner Bus, again... I have to say it again. I have to say it every time we talk about the Midnight Express. This is the best version. Carry on. Of course you're going to say that because it's Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. You you hate Dennis Condry. I don't hate them, but they ain't shit. No, you hate that. You hate hate that combination. But I get you. I don't hate it. I like them too, but they're not Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. Uh, again, what, what, let's say about this match. Again, the Midnight Express makes tag teams better. They, they're like yeah. the AJ Styles of tag team wrestling because they can have a great match with the Road Warriors, and they had a great match with the technical prowess of the Steiner Brothers. What say you? I think I think I talked about Stan Lane before where he was like a miniature Lex Luger, but I think this is getting towards the end of his career because he ends up becoming a ring announcer or interviewer for WWE not long after this, uh, well, maybe a couple more three, years. Yeah, three or four more years. But you can tell he's not in the shape he was in when we were watching those rock and roll midnight matches or Road Warrior midnight matches. Uh, so, you know, his injuries are stacking up, but it's still a good match. It's still, I still think, I think this was worldwide. Uh, NWA main event. Oh, main event. Okay, so mm-hmm. main event, not not a lot of pomp and circumstance with them, um, but I still think WCW Saturday Night is a. It was better than Superstars and Challenge because Superstars and Challenge is almost always squash matches. There's always over the top, always promo. WCW Saturday Night felt intimate. Felt like you know fans were into every match, whether it was job matches or they always had that main event we talked about. I believe this is the match, or it might be one coming up. It has to be this one, because why else would they be talking about it? Bobby Eaton, because this is a formula they used to have, NWA. That weekend coming up, Bobby Eaton was challenging Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title on WCW Saturday night, and they talked about it Mm-mm. during the match. Then it was down the way. There was another yeah. match then, but this, maybe the pre This is where Sting is the champion, so I already know that year, so... Okay, so well, one of these matches we watched, mm-hmm. they talked about it. So mm-hmm. I just, I just, and 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 worldwide was a good show, and but well, think about, like, think about it like this, T.W. Because when they beat the Freebirds to, for their first tag team title, they won it on WCW Saturday Night. Right, it was right. at the center stage. So right, this title changes tag, happened there. Yeah. yeah, so it was special to them. So th- this being a U.S. tag team title match on main event. It, it, it's still special because it's the weekend. This is what made them better than WWE because they they made uh, they had big fight feeling matches on to the weekend. To be weekends. fair, they had seventy two championships, so it wasn't hard to have a title change. But in comparison TV, so. to weekend television, WWF was the crap. Oh yeah, in, and in main event was the very first show that ended up being Sunday Night Heat doing it too. Mm-hmm. Main event was the very first show that would end, and then the pay per view would start and. Right. They would do main event live. I was at a main event in 1995 that, as it ended, the Great American Bash started right after that show ended. So they used it properly to to hype you up to buy the pay-per-view if you were on the fence. Um, mm-hmm. But, but like, most main events, most worldwides, they were taped at a WCW Saturday night, but they just changed the tarp. Of course. Like, when I just went to Monday Night Raw recently... They did two matches we, we know that the were secrets. recorded for the we main event. We know the secrets, T.W., yeah. that, you know, they, they wrestled twice on Sundays, as the old saying goes. So that's no secret to any Reflectionite watching this program or hearing it on the podium. So it's not a secret here. So 
let's just say that the, the Steiner brothers are the number one tag team in WCW. They are creating that pedigree or that resume, if you will, TW, of accomplishments. Because, again, U.S. tag team champions, world tag team champions, and the relationship that Jim Hurd, I don't know how he got a relationship with all New Japan Pro Wrestling, but, I, you know, that's the only good thing that Jim Hurd did in, in his tenure, if you will. But the Steiner Bros got to become the mm. IWGP. Wait, let me just say what I got to say first. They, at one time, they were holding three titles at one time. The U.S. titles, the, tag team, the WCW tag team titles, and the IWGP heavyweight tag team championships. So that was a triple threat. And they were, at that time in 1991, one of the greatest tag teams of that, that year. So go ahead, yeah. TW. Retort. The greatest thing Jim Hurd ever did. Was give us the 1992 Royal Rumble. Go ahead. Oh, that's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a funny thing. But here, here, here's again the problem that that are arising as you was talking about the the times there are changing, and even for WCW, even though they were trying to keep a tag team resume, if you will, the problem with that TW was managed bad management. Jim Hurd was a was a shit was a shit show manager. So the Steiner brothers, you know, had those ebbs and flows. Even though, as a fan, TW, you, you and I could say the Steiner Brothers are the, you know, the A show. They are the, the, the number one tag team. So whoever they face, and the next match that I want you to talk about is proof positive that there was a lot of trust because it was the Steiner Brothers, Super Bowl won, and it was, it was for the tag team titles going up against Sting and Lex Luger. An underrated tag team that, you know, I'm not ever going to put as the top 10. But everybody loves Sting and Lex Luger as a tag team. They were Crockett Cup 1988 winners, former WCW tag team champions, TW. But this was Super Bowl one, And Jim Hurd had no choice but to put their four, his four best baby faces against each other. They clashed. So this was something that I was looking forward to. And, of course, you know... We could talk about the ending. Nikita Cole, they were building a program for Nikita Koloff and Sting for later down the road. But at least for the first 15 minutes, we got clash of baby faces going at each other. Because at first it was scientific, and then they got it, they got at each other. What's the about that match from Super Bowl one? What year was this? 1991. 1991. One year earlier, I was a new kid in my new school. And Clash of the Champions was on on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And my dream match was about to happen. And I okay. told all these kids that I didn't know, do you watch wrestling? you watch wrestling? That's how I made mm-hmm. friends. And they're like, nah, a little bit. I watched WWF or whatever they said. And I said, you have to watch the Clash of the Champions. You are going to see the greatest match in the history of wrestling, and it's going to be free on TBS. And they said, what is it? These two. Mm-hmm. It was nine seconds. Sid lost to Lex with the forearm, and it was over. Ole yelled with Sid. I didn't realize Sid was going to WWE. That's why. I didn't have any idea. That's why that happened. So now, fast forward a year later, maybe not even a whole year, Sting and Luger versus Steiners for me in 1991 was absolutely a dream match because it was my two favorite guys and my favorite tag team mm-hmm. against each other. And it I didn't get to see it live because there were no pay-per-views in our budget, and okay. there was no scramble shit. So when I watched this match today, um, it was like watching it for the first time. And I had seen, obviously, clips over the years. What a good match. And I love the finish. 
because the finish was Sting laying down for his buddy. His buddy has no idea what the hell happened. The feud was Luger and Nikita for that U.S. title. Mm-hmm. So it was such it was done so beautifully. A, you got the Steiners with a win. B, they pinned Sting, which was a big deal. C, you take the feud from Nikita and Luger off of them, and you put it on Sting and Nikita, who Sting went back there and whooped his ass in the back. And you st- it was so well done. I don't know who booked it, but they that's a dusty it. finish. That was a that's, dusty booking. But it was beautifully done, and it was mm-hmm. and and it it didn't ruin the match. A, you got to finish. And the end was all for them trying to figure out what happened. And Sting did the old, yeah, he, he did this. And I'm like, okay, Sting, you shouldn't even know that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you should know that you got hit with a chain. You should know you got the – I thought he just took a Russian sickle until they said he's got that Russian chain on there, which I didn't know Russian chains were different than American chains. But uh, mo- mm-hmm. mostly hey-ho, hey-show in Mexico. So it's probably neither a Russian or an American chain. But it was it was so well done. So at the 12 of you listening to this, if there's one match – and I know we got others we're going to talk about. There's one match you need to watch. It's Super Brawl 1, Steiners versus Luger and Sting. It's so yeah. good. And there's, I thought you were ribbing me, because it starts off with, like, this video tribute package. And I thought, what, what is No, that they made shit? it They made it as a big effing deal, because this was yeah. their main, this was one but of the main like, events. For your eyes only. I'm like, what, what is this? Ferndale music. I'm like, what is happening? And well, they, they weren't good at they weren't good at the WWE video promo packages to to hype up a match. So but this the sad bit- thing is, is WCW back then would use any, like the Steiners came to the ring to welcome to the jungle. They didn't give a shit. So for them, to, whenever they did a video vignette, there's no reason they should be using '70s James Bond themes for a freaking video package. They need to be like amped up. I get it. You can fuck me. Put that's what friends are for if you have to. Whatever. Again, I understand the sentimental. Jim Hurd. That was Jim Hurd, and, and the budget was terrible. Wet. I thought you were ribbing me. I almost backed out and found a different version of that match, but there's other times that they, they mm-hmm. didn't. I think they fought once when Sting and Luger were tag champs. Yeah, that was in 96. That's, that's 96. what I thought. Oh, okay, so way later. So, okay, yeah. never mind then. Don't worry about that one. But. By the way, the tag belts that they have there, I don't like. The, the 96 ones. But those tag belts that Arn and Tully had and the Rock and Roll had, those mm-hmm. are some pretty – the U.S. titles are s- pretty nice belts, but no, those blue ones, they were blue with the – The NWA World, ta- World Tag Team belts were the were best looking A thing of beauty. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Hands down. My favorite tag team title belt in history. Absolutely, absolutely. So let me try to abbreviate 1992, if you will, because it, it was a quandary of – mismanagement of WCW. Jim Hurd's out. Then K. Allen Fry comes in. K. Allen Fry didn't last that long. And Bill Watts was there. So this is where I'm trying to give you this timeline, TW, because it's very wonky. So, again, there is this relationship between WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So one of the biggest feuds that's supposed to be international uh, incident feuds, TW, if you will, was the Steiner Brothers against Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Dusty Williams which is one of the best Gaijin tag teams in New Japan pro wrestling history, uh, tag team champions there. So they they, uh, did the 50-50 booking, if you will. So let's talk about this match that I gave you from 1992. This is a Bill Watts kind of vision of the match because he wanted everything in the ring, and he said in his kayfabe interviews, use psychology to make things matter when you do something outside. So, 
as a lot of wrestlers were a little bit like, why is Bill Watts wanting to get stuck in the 70s? Bill Watts' retort to all the supposed young wrestlers of the 90s, use your heads, dummies, make the match mean something instead right. of doing any moves, you know, I guess Bill, you need the Bill Watts thinking right now because everybody's using flips, flippity flips, flip dives and super kicks and all this and uh, Canadian uh, pile drivers and Panama City uh, plunges all, for, you know, hot, you know, for 25 minutes. So Bill Watts is, you know, edict is needed today, but uh, neither here nor there. Let's just talk about this 1992 match between the Steiner brothers and Stock the Death and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Again, another tag team from New Japan that doesn't get the credit. And, you know, again, I, again, this, this argument of accomplishments, Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Best Steve Williams, they weren't together that long, but they made a hell of an impact in 1992. What say you about this match? It's brolic. Is that the word you used? This is well, being this is this is hurting cows, this match. <laughs> and, and and three out of four UWF represent, yo. Mm -hmm. Uh Terry, Dr. Dad, and you know, let me get back. I, earlier I said they made me like Dr. Dad. Post-UWF, Dr. Dad never did anything, and that's not his fault. They they unified his UWF world title with the Western States Heritage title with Barry Windham. So you're, they're already shitting on him and UWF by doing that. They made a bigger deal out of the UWF TV title by merging the TV titles with UWF between Nikita Koloff and Terry Taylor. So it was almost like they never had shit for Dr. Death. And then this dude leaves, comes back with Terry Gordy, and they were a pretty big deal. They're right up there with, uh, was it Animal and Tenru or Hawk and Tenru? Uh, could have been Hawk and Tenru. I think it was Hawk and Tenru, where they went over there and just, I mean, they just made names for themselves. They just, they just reinvented themselves to the point where I want to say it was – it might have been WWE had Animal and Hawk versus Ten Ruin somebody. Uh, but it might have been WCW that did it. But they talked. Oh, no, no, no. Crash the Terminator. No, who, who was the guy? Wait, was where, are you, where are you going? It's, you're Who's Crash the Terminator? Who's Crash? Who, is that Animal's little brother? Who? Animal's yeah, like brother the, is John Laurinaitis. No, there was another one. Uh, the third he, one he from had, Japan, had, yes. There was a third yeah, one. That's I don't Crash remember his the Terminator. Name. What about that's him? What's Who, they got to do? There was a guy that teamed with the road one. Come up, Gordy and fucking Williams over Japan. They but they didn't, the they didn't fight the Warriors. They didn't fight the Warriors. There was a there was a Japanese guy that – it wasn't Tenru. He painted his face, and he wore gear. Maybe it was Tenru. That was, Kenta, Kawa, no. that was Nagasaki. And he wrestled Nagasaki. with the shoulder, with yeah, the shoulder pad. With the shoulder pad, but that was 95. No, that was Hawk. No, I'm talking about in the 90s. In the 90s, Animal or Hawk? I'm the Team professor. Over I'm the professor. You don't know your chronologies. Trust me, it's Nagasaki and Hawk. Because Animal and Hawk had a thing. But neither here nor there, TW. Let's talk about these four brolic guys that were so stiff that they kept it in the ring. <laughs> You go every which way, which is talking, but then you, you, you're you going. You went to I-95, and then you take a deep dive into the woods. Go ahead, TW. Oh, I'm just I'm telling you. It, it says his brother was the Terminator. It was Crash the Terminator. Yes, but they were but not. But I'm telling you, he, he teamed with a Japanese guy. Nagasaki, but that was Kendo. Kendo. That's, yes. that's a Kenta. Kendo Nagasaki. Yes. yes. But they teamed. They fought Somebody that was Hulk Gordy and Williams over in, in 95. Animal and Crash the Terminator then. 
Somebody that, fought that was, that was, Gordy and Williams in Japan. It was a stiff ass match. You You don't even watch it. I'm just trying to give you the the logic here. All right. Either way, this match is more of like Doom, where you have people just beating the shit out of each other. I absolutely love this finish because this finish made me wonder if Doctor Death fucked up, right? But then I, I thought. Did. But then I thought, even if he did fuck up, it looks better that he fucked up because it's a good way to get a clear winner because it looked like they were trying to do the double pin, mm-hmm. and they just didn't do it in, in the t- same time because Dr. Depp lays there looking around like, what the fuck just happened? Like, did I just blow it? You know? But, I, think, I think he did because, again, I think they wanted that respect, that, that, that relationship between New Japan and WCW, I think that was the kind of finish that they wanted to create some international incident that they would have pr- took this match as a rematch back to Japan. That's what they were trying to do. One in America, one in Japan, so you could do the, the things at the Tokyo Dome. Right. But it's it's... It's it's both faults, I guess. I mean, Scott, if he thinks they're both ready, he can't stop himself. He did it. He did mm-hmm. whatever. And Terry stayed pit. But it was a good finish. Everybody was still strong. And, and Dr. Death doing it two, three seconds after the pin, still doing it, made it like, oh, it was close, right? But mm-hmm. you still got a winner. Um, and I think if you do the double pin, it's stupid. It's cheesy. It's the same old, same old. Uh, but what are you going to do? I mean, who do you blame? Rick Steiner? Did he not go on purpose, you know, and then went? Was it the original Montreal screw job? They were a big deal in Japan at the time. It could it could have been a Bill Watts screw job, but neither here nor there because that's speculatory here, reflectionized. But you actually alluded to this a little bit, TW, so I'm gonna explain this in nineteen ninety two. The bad management and the bad vision for the Steiner brothers. Steiner brothers were pissed in nineteen ninety two. For various reasons. The first reason, of course, you already know TW, is money. They felt being the number one tag team, they should be paid like a number one tag team, which they weren't because Bill Watts was cutting uh, salaries left and right. Ask Jake the Snake Robbers as, as Exhibit A, but neither here nor there. Number two was booking for the Steiner Brothers because from 91 to 92, there were, you even said it, there was talks of splitting up the Steiner brothers because they saw potential in a singles run for Scott Steiner, not Rick Steiner. Scott Steiner got plenty of heavyweight title shots against Ric Flair at the time. And, of course, at the end in 1992, there was this weird program where Scott Steiner was becoming Big Papa Pump in 1992 in a way, TW, not with, like, blonde hair, but he had a bad attitude and he was beating down jobbers. He eventually becomes the WCW television champion, defeating Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. But they put the kibosh on that because they just quit. They did not want, I guess they did not like the booking. But Scott Steiner as a heel at that time, it wasn't the perfect time to turn him heel. It made no sense. So what did they do, Reflectionites? They got the call from Vinnie Mac in Greenwich, Connecticut, or Stanford, Connecticut, to to be uh, logistically correct <coughs> excuse me and they went to the wwf and debuted in november or december of 1992 tw and their first match was their first high profile match was the royal rumble 1993 against the Be- beverly brothers Bo and blake beverly but of course it was a precursor because in 1993 they were you know multiple time wwf tag team champions 
their biggest program match that I can remember, TW. You even said it that their WWE run from 92 to 94 was lackluster. The biggest high-profile match was SummerSlam 93 in your neck of the woods, the Auburn Hills, Michigan, against the Heavenly Bodies. But their biggest rivalry in uh, in the WWF was against Ted DiBiase and Irwin, Irwin R. Scheister, Money, Inc. And I gave you one of those matches. But, again, you said it. You alluded yourself. The tag team division of, of uh, WWE in 93 and 94, per se, you had Money, Inc., you had the Quebecers, you had the Heavenly Bodies. You had tag team names, but it just it just wasn't like the mid-80s. It wasn't the Hart Foundation. It wasn't the Killer Bees. It wasn't sadly, that. Beverly Brothers were a good team when they were the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And the of Beverly course. Brothers just sucked. It's just mm-hmm. like it it was dead on arrival. Right. It, it was dead on arrival. And you even said it, it was very lackluster of a run. But, again, their look, I think they were refined with their look even more because Vince McMahon said, I wanted your singlets to be Michigan-esque colors more. Now, in WCW, in WCW-TW, they had the splashy tie-dye stuff. It was never, it was... Or S&M. Either way, whatever you want to call it. Scott Steiner had some tight-ass leather or some tight-ass pink. Either way, but they were never color-coordinated. But but for Vince McMahon, he made it a, he made it eating. Looked like a team. Yeah. Look like a team. We're the Michigan colors. Either Scott wore the gold, all gold, and Rick wore all blue, or they had the split of the gold and blue. What say you, TW, about the look? Because I think Vince McMahon gave him a more refined look, even with a singlet. Yeah. I mean, Rick still wore crazy shit like this because it was the 90s. But mm-hmm. they they did look more like a team because lots of times they they really didn't look like a team. But like I said – Scott Steiner wore some questionable shit, man. <laughs> like the the black leather, like it looked like it was three sizes too small for him, and he still put it on. And I just thought, is he doing that so he has to pack lighter, or is he is he just trying to look like he's you know giving himself a wedgie the whole match? It just was weird. But yes, they definitely came off. They wore the Michigan jackets more in the WWF. Um, I want to say that Toy Box had them in the Michigan jackets, which again, another thing you couldn't do now because they'd have to pay royalties to the U of M for using their shit on their toy box. And they don't mm-hmm. do stuff like that. So, right. um, it's, 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 I, yeah, they refined the look, the, the everything. And that's why it's odd that when they were there, they didn't go back to WCW. They, they that's when they went to Japan, right? Well, they, they did Japan. What year you're talking about? After they left WWE, they didn't go right back they, to WCW. They did uh, the Japan a little bit, but then they went to ECW. ECW, 95. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know they were there. I did. How long? I did. No, they were there for like six months. I think Paul Heyman just wanted to, you know, again, like you said, there, were, they, there was like injuries, you could say. They, you know, Rick Stein was a little hurt. I know that in 94... There was a little bit of an injury bug with Scott Steiner. I don't know if it was his biceps or uh, maybe it was Rick Steiner with his biceps or shoulders. I'm not too sure. Don't quote me on this reflection as I'm trying to remember vaguely. But forget about that, T.W. What say you about the, the, the rivalry that the Steiner brothers were just stuck on with the money ain't? Because the funny thing well, about th- this rivalry before you even said even about this match, you know how many times that the they did 50-50 booking with this rivalry? One weekend – Money Inc. beats them for the tag team titles at a house show, which was funny. 
The next weekend at another house show, the Steiner Brothers gets it back. I think it was like four times in four house shows, four weekends, that these two teams traded off the WWE Tag Team titles. That's what made this this rivalry kind of, that's the only thing I can remember about this rivalry. That makes sense to me. When you said they were multiple champions, I'm like, were they even long enough to, there to be? Because no. guys would win tag belts and have them for a year back then, you know, or six, eight, ten months. Um, mm-hmm. the, the funny thing is, is, like, IRS and DiBiase was a good team. It, was, it wasn't, it was like, it, it looked terrible when they first put them together. Like, why are you doing this to Ted? You know, what What did Ted ever do? But they just, they just jailed, like, um, and so the match you had me watch, I absolutely, because the finish was DiBiase pinning Rick, or no, Scott, mm-hmm. after, I think, a cheap shot of some kind. And I thought I think it was the ah. briefcase. It was the briefcase. I'm like, ah, this must be when they left and they were just putting the belts on somebody else. And that mm-hmm. would explain why DiBiase and IRS had the belts. And now you're telling me they swapped them back and forth a bunch of times, which I didn't know. Uh, so, but then they reversed the decision. So it was one of those things where they do at a house show where you think somebody won the world title and then they fucking take it from you before you go home, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, they let, sent you home happy because the baby's didn't lose their tag belt. So, but it was a good match too. And, and again, I, it's sad because I think Mike Rotunda is going to be forever known as IRS. It's his most successful gimmick. And it's to his credit because he's made lemonade out of lemons uh, versus Terry Taylor just shitting all over the red rooster and just never going anywhere with it. Um, Mm -hmm. But the, at the end of the day, uh, IRS, if he's Mike Rotunda, if he's Michael Wall Street, if he's anything else, Team Otendi Biasi, we're probably talking about them as they're the greatest tag team ever because the, the pedigree is there for both of them. But because he's in that damn gimmick. And mm-hmm. even I, I've never been a fan of the Million Dollar Man gimmick. I just, DiBiase was my guy. I told you the story. I, I he's, a guy. Guy. he's a UWF guy. So well, you're I said, give God, to a UWF guy. if Hulk Hogan has to lose to Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3 so Teddy DiBiase can beat one man game for the world title, I'll take it. I'll trade. I'll make that trade. That's how much mm-hmm. I like DiBiase. I liked him more than I liked Hulk Hogan at, in 87. And then he comes there as the, the Million Dollar Man. And I just remember just being crushed. Like, I felt like it wasn't even the same guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's not Ted. But Ted was a heel long before he was a baby. Right. Well, neither here nor there. But, again, this was kind of the weirdest rivalry in WWF for the Steiner brothers because, like, I, like I remember, the house show thing was funny to me. Can I ask you a question, I, though? What's that? Of all the other teams you name, which team? I mean, maybe the Heavenly Bodies, but – they look like midgets. If we're being honest, they look like midgets compared to everybody else when they were there. Mm-hmm. They look like Smoky Mountain was their deal, right? Just like there's guys in AEW that are awesome there that will not even fucking cut the mustard on Raw or SmackDown. And NXT okay. guys that wouldn't either. But but the, the Heavenly Bodies were good hands, as Travis would say. But you want the Beverly Brothers to be the one trading the belts back and forth? I love the DiBiase got titles in WWF because otherwise he never got one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He had the million-dollar belt, but he never was Intercontinental Champion. He should have been. He was never World Champion. It should count. You know, Andre gave it to him. I mean, it was an awesome storyline, you know? And then he could have just mm-hmm. lost it. And yeah. he, got screwed, he got screwed in the tournament final. I'm, not mad, the I'm not mad at that they, they flipped it. I was just, that was the only no, memory saying, that I had on, about the Steiner Bros. On paper, is, Steiner's mm-hmm. first Money, Inc. is weird. Mm-hmm. But they delivered. 
I think they had good matches. I think they had good a good run, a good feud. And if you're going to swap belts, I don't think I don't think DiBiase and IRS beating Steiners hurt you the way if you lost your tag belts to the Beverly Brothers would, or to mm-hmm. uh, Heavenly Bodies would, or any other two guys thrown together. Because somewhere in there, right. Typhoon and Tugboat or Earthquake and Tugboat get thrown together because that's who Money Inc. lost the belts to, um, right. in- inevitably. So. Um, I, I, I will take this for, for the options we had, I would take this feud over anything else they could have had back then. Okay. Heart uh, foundation would have been better. Obviously the rockers, but we, we couldn't get that. So that was the problem. Right. Well, the right. new rockers, you could have got the new rockers, but need, <laughs> okay. Okay. Obviously. Moving along, we get a truck along here. Well, 94 comes to a close and again, money would become an issue too, besides the injuries, you could say. Uh, Scott Steiner did not want to take a low pay cut from Vince McMahon. Of course, he was offering opportunities. Well, I guess the opportunity to earn less pay was not on the Steiner brothers' barometer, so they had to leave, and they went back to Japan. And, of course, Paul Heyman used them for a six-month run in ECW, and I saw them do a couple of matches with the Eliminators, which were very untapped potential matches. But I knew that they were just waiting for that phone call from Eric Bischoff to go back to Atlanta and back to WCW, which they did in 1996. We don't have to go with all the pedigrees that that they did because, again, they were now lumped into the Monday Night Wars, and they had to have those great matches with Sting and Lex Luger. They had to have those great matches on Monday Night Shows with the Road Warriors and the the Harlem Heats. Uh, I forget, uh, High Energy, whatever that, that tag team was called, <laughs> but... It, you know what I'm High talking voltage. about. High voltage. High voltage. That's what, you, that's what I meant. So they had those tag team matches on Nitro to uh, keep the, the street cred, if you will, reflectionized, that they were one of the most dominant tag teams in the 1990s. But, of course, we talk about the Monday Night Wars, TW, and, of course, we have to use the NWO uh, equivalent here because the Steiner brothers were knee-deep in the wars against the NWO, they were representing the WCW, and of course, they would have their feud with the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. So I gave you another match. I know you was not a fan of wanting me to give you a match with the Outsiders, but I had to give it. For I the didn't want the same thing. one. I didn't want the same one. Was this the same one? That, this was a different one because I gave you sold out 1997 Steiner Brothers challenge, challenging the tag team champions of the Outsiders, and of course, at the end. The Steiner Brothers would win in much controversy because a WCW official counted the three. Pee-wee. So what's Pee Wee Anderson? So what say you, TW, about this match? They were they were they were they were the underdogs. They were going into NWO country. They were going into the NWO home field advantage. They against you all odds. They won. You know they what it felt like? What it was that? Felt like to me, like WCW was playing with fire, right? Right. I, I don't think you'll know it if I ask you, but I will just for the sake of telling you. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you after if you don't know, but I've said on here what my what I think is the greatest uh, the greatest pulling off of something like the greatest angle in in wrestling history to me. If you remember, you probably don't. Do you? It's WWE. Go ahead. I, I think I forgot. It's Bret Hart cheered in Canada and booed in the U.S. Right. so consistently that Austin was booed. In Canada with the Road Warriors and Ahmed Johnson, which is probably the reason they got booed. Uh, but the, it, I never realized until I watched this match, the canvas is NWO. The building is sold out, no pun intended, 
L-D, not O-U-L. And oh. Eric Bischoff, sounding very much like Terry Taylor on commentating, is... Uh, they were trying to give that different He's comparison. given the narrative, like, the people are there for the NWO. And when this match ends, like, three or four people throw shit in the ring, like when Hogan turned NWO, right? Mm-hmm. And he kept saying the fans are getting behind Scott and Kevin. And I'm like, the fuck they are. It felt like the fans were flat to me. I didn't feel like they cheered for either one. But if in hindsight, I'm looking, I'm like, did they tr- literally try to sell this pay-per-view as NWO fans? Like, they're the baby faces because they got screwed. Yeah. They talked about getting screwed. They were stuck in their own narrative and their own But no, no, uh, it, was, it was very advantageous. But it could have backfired so bad because there could have been people. We, we all know the well, NWO Eric Bish- well, let me Let me, NWO let me, let me say this. Eric Bischoff said that pay-per-view sucked. Kevin Nash said it was the worst pay-per-view he was involved in. Go ahead. Absolutely. But here I'm not I don't care about how it turned out. It sucked because they tried to make them the baby faces, but it was supposed to be tongue in cheek, right? Mm-hmm. But could you imagine? Like, let's just luckily you had WCW guys fighting NWO guys. Because imagine if you because remember they talked about having their own TV show and it was gonna be nothing but NWO guys, which means they'd have to wrestle each other, right? That would be like having a match in Canada with nothing but Americans on it. No Brett, no Owen, no Davey Boyer, or people that are Canadian by injection. People wouldn't fucking go. You know what I mean? So they wouldn't be interested. But but no, what I'm saying is... There's no interest to it. Remember how they felt when Hogan turned? They Mm -hmm. fucking littered the ring. That's... Other than ECW where fans threw chairs in there, that's probably the most I've ever seen the fans rebel against an ending of anything. And so... If you have a show and you're just going to say it's NWO, it's not WCW, it's a, and it's still sold out, that literally could have flopped. And to make it, it a pay-per-view, no, because people showed up. I meant there could have oh. been no one in the building. Like People are like, hell no, I'm not going to an NWO show. I want to watch WCW. No, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, the interest was there to pay a ticket, but right. the, the result itself Yeah, sucked. the crowd was flat as shit. Yeah. But the match is that was the, the best Steiners match. Won. Yeah, that was the best match of the of that pay-per-view. Oh, and they did pop for Pee-wee coming out. That's what made no sense, because they popped for Pee-wee, and then when the Steiners win, they cheered a little bit, but then after that, it was just dead, and then people threw things in the ring, but only three people. So it was it was confusing. It, it was confusing, but but again, I had to give you a match for the chronology's sake that it was sold out, and the, no, no, the for environment sure. sucked. It was. I, I'm glad I watched it because I would have known none of that stuff that I just talked about. But we about have to reckon. But we have to recognize there was a feud between the Steiner brothers and the Outsiders between Kevin the, Nash the and Scott. The Hog Wild was the one I think you had me watch. That's where Scott turned on Rick. Oh, uh, that was a, that was another one a long time ago. But that was that was actually Super Roll. That wasn't Hog Wild. I thought it was outside, like in Sturgis. Mm-mm. No, it was oh, in. It that was, was Harlem Heat. That yeah. was Harlem Heat and the Colin Nash. Yeah, you always confuse your dates, but neither here nor Yes, but the Steiner brothers won that uh, tag team title, but again, it was reversed on Monday night instantaneously by Eric Bischoff. But we're not gonna go with the logistics. I didn't know that. Yes, I didn't know that. So you, they you was, rocker. You was you was wrestling in Saginaw that weekend, so you right. you, you missed that. <laughs> you missed that. But anyway, they were trudging along with the WCW versus NWO stuff, and of course, by 1998. Then, officially, it was time to break away the decade of dominance of the Steiner Brothers, where in Super Bowl 1998, the Steiner Brothers, who were coming in as WCW Tag Team Champions, being managed by Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, 
Scott Steiner turns on his brother and gives the titles back to the Outsiders. And there, the birth of Big Papa Pump becomes a, a reality where he dyes his hair blonde and he's all about the pose down and he's all about becoming superstar Billy Graham to the 10th power TW. So let's say, because in 1998, again, the, mo the more intriguing storyline was Will Scott Steiner and Rick Steiner finally have that clash together? And they finally did a little bit later. They tried to stretch it until about Starcade-ish, I want to say, like World War III Starcade-ish. Of course, Rick Steiner had to go through all these variables against other NWO members. We will have to get into that. Before but, joining them. Uh, well, they, he didn't really join them, but neither here nor there. But that was the last thing that was interesting about a Steiner storyline if you will that you had to have your older brother against younger brother and of course being the younger brother i'm always going to be having an affinity for the younger brother no matter what so let's say you well, i guess you you was never too keen on a steiner versus steiner match do i get that sentiment or maybe you it, have a it, different take it's just uh, no what i was not keen on was everybody and except their brother joining the nwo it just okay at that point it was so i mean I'm not surprised they went out of business. I'm surprised they didn't go out of business sooner because it was like, you know, your boy Vince Russo, every time I read anything about Cody Rhodes and him, he, they're going to the well too many times. So I haven't seen you say that about CM Punk yet because I have yet to watch AEW and not see CM Punk on it. So if you're going to say Cody Rhodes is going to the well too many times after three weeks, then I don't know what you think of Paul, uh, CM Punk. But WCW went to the well too many times. By, I mean, name a guy he was in the NWO, including Sting and Luger. And mm -hmm. it's 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 like, come on, wasn't Flair in there for a minute? No, you're putting words in your own mouth. No, no, don't 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 change history. No, he wasn't. No, I'm asking if Flair was no. in it towards the end because no. it was like three versions. It was the white, the red, and Latino, and and it, it just was Piper in it. No. Okay, so three 800-year-old guys never joined. But, dude, Scott, who's in the Bullet Club now? Scott Norton was in it. Buff Bagwell was in it. Another bitter man, uh, which I get why he might be. But <laughs> you, when you send Sonny to rehab 72 times and won't send Buff Bagwell to rehab once, it says a lot about Buff Bagwell, if you ask me. God bless mm -hmm. him. But he must have rustled ruffled some feathers so it, it, it was, was one week in wwe the, it was the nwo thing that kind of turned you away you would you wouldn't have mind a steiner versus steiner clash no, except the variable of the nwo made it stupid well because brett and owen did it so well it was going to be hard to have any other brother versus brother feud okay. right because you had i mean what do you do Rick, you okay? You made Rick mad. Rick wants peace, Scott. Now, and Scott's like, "Fuck you! You're my little brother. I'm not, or my older brother. I'm not fighting you." That, like, you know, you're done. I'm in the NWO now. I like that part, but it, I didn't need to see those two fight each other. Because if we're being honest, Rick versus Scott, especially by that point with a fake hip, you ain't having Brett versus Owen. Brett and versus Owen is one of the greatest matches ever. There's a there's a bit bigger difference because Bret Hart was becoming a top babyface. Scott Steiner was becoming, well, they wanted him to become a top heel. So it wouldn't work. And Rick he was Steiner coming was, out of a tag team, whereas Brett right. and Owen were never a tag team. Yeah, yeah. O that, that, Owen, Owen, Brett, I mean, see, well, every time we talk about I'm making the case that Brett's the best ever. Brett and Owen is, the Canadian storyline's perfect. Owen wanting to get out of Brett's shadow is perfect. Uh, 
Owen and Brett reuniting was fucking perfect. Every everything Brett did, the screw job. I mean, there, name one program Brett did that didn't fucking work. Kurt Hennig first comes to WWE. Perfect mm-hmm. is gunning for the Hitman. I'll never forget it. it was on Spotlight Magazine, and it was WWE Spotlight, not WWE Magazine so- solo one. And mm-hmm. Brett versus Brett versus Austin's great. Brett versus Michaels is great. Brett versus Owens great. Brett versus the fucking U.S. Canadian. He's the best I ever. He's I the get best it. Ever. I get it. I, I understand. We again the comparison of Brett and he's the, the reason we can't have Steiner would, versus Steiner. Yeah, right. That that's a real. Re, that's a great legitimate reason why Steiner versus Steiner was not going to get to the level of a heart versus heart or Brett versus Owen. You just named it right there. You just put the nail on that coffin right there. So, you know, again, Scott Steiner did his thing as Big Papa Bump becoming multiple time WCW champion. Rick Steiner did his thing as the dog face gremlin being a television champion and US champion. And then WCW closes doors. So in the 2000s, I'm going to abbreviate this really easy reflection nights. They were together nostalgic wise. Indie-wise and all that stuff. Their one last gasp of a storyline program on major television, if you will. Again, TW might laugh at me when I say that, but Spike TV was big in a sense. And at Hardcore Justice, out of a matter of respect, it was Team 3D versus the Steiner Brothers from 2007 TW. You even said it, the Steiner Brothers were older, slower, but again, it was big... But the look was kind of weird because it was basically all very, it was just all Big Papa Pump and all, you know, Dog Face Gremlin in their singles gears. They didn't look like a tag team. You always hate that kind of rule. You want them to look like a tag team. Team 3D at least looking like a tag team. But the Steiner Brothers get the win to solidify. I guess it was one of those things. Team 3D wanted to know if they had it, what it takes to beat the Steiner Brothers. They came up short. It was a matter of respect for Team 3D. Of course, you know, Team, you know, Bully Ray and all that stuff. He always tried to, you know, piss off the Steiner Brothers, and it worked on uh, Spike TV during the Impact Wrestling Weeks. But again, the match was more nostalgic at best. It wasn't one of the best Steiner Brothers matches from the 90s. I can, I'm going to say that. I'm trying to defend the Steiner Brothers. But it served its purpose for nostalgia-wise. It served its purpose for resume-wise that the Steiner Brothers were one of the greatest tag teams ever. What say you about the match, and then we're going to close out? I, I disagree that it wasn't a good match. It was a great match, and it was in that dumbass ring. Uh, no, no, no. Was, I'm, I'm saying for the Steiner Brothers, it wasn't their kind of match because right, they were older right. and slow. But right. It if you say it's a good match, work. it was a good however, match. However, like I said earlier, Scott gave Devon the damn overhead belly-to-belly off the top rope. Scott gave mm-hmm. Devon the Frankensteiner on the top row because at that point he couldn't do it standing. We knew, we mm-hmm. know. Um, Scott and, and Rick was giving him. Rick killed Bubba on one of them Kurt Angle suplex. Just killed him. Um, and it, it just I liked the finish. They both took turns hitting each other's moves, and then they won with the the bulldog. They did the Doomsday device. It, I just I think. They delivered. Yeah, it was slower than it would have been 10 years earlier. It was, and the only other thing I took away from this was that was the worst shape I've ever seen Bubba in other than the the Dudley's match from ECW where he was a nobody. Well, like, he, he was, was in he rough was slim, shape. He was slimming. He was starting to slim down. It, it took a long time before the he slim fast. He looked bloated and then. stuff, though. He looked bloated and just out of shape. 
But Rick looked a hundred. It, it broke my heart to see Rick like that because he usually didn't have an ounce of fat on him and just. But he just looked like a little old dude, man. But but he delivered everything. He did that catch super power bomb. It was. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that match, and I I was afraid that that would be the one that I would enjoy. Actually, I knew Scott Hall and Kevin Nash would be the one I enjoyed the least. But I was afraid this was gonna make me feel like I was wrong about Hall and Nash. And Hall and Nash match wasn't bad either. It just was weird. Um, mm-hmm. But I absolutely like this match. Uh, I'll be honest. They did so much two-on-two that I never even realized most of the match that they were in that dumb ring. You know what I mean? It wasn't just waiting ring? for yeah. tags. Yeah, because they almost did tornado style. And um, mm-hmm. so a lot of it, two guys were fighting two guys and you couldn't even see the shape of the ring because it was that ring is smaller so they took up a lot of it and uh but i actually enjoyed the match and i'm not a big 3d guy you know i'm i i think they they deserve respect but all, all those matches with edge and christian and the hardy boys i i think edge and the hardy boys and christian did most of that stuff like you know the dudleys did it but I think hey, the other four guys the, look the dance, coming out of the it. A dance partner is a dance partner, so right, they, he, no. they get credit for that. And the Steiner brothers had a lot of great dance partners. I think T3 could be a great dance partner. The Outsiders were great dance partners. Road Wars were great dance partners. Free Midnight Express. Also, free birds. best version of the Freebirds. Garvin and Hayes. The Head Stringers, a.k.a. Samoan SWAT team. There's so many I can name. Doom, Rock and Roll Express, Gordian, uh, Dr. Death. There's so many great tag teams. Even Money, Inc. was a great uh, dance partner for the simple fact that they were trading off the belts. And with that being said, we close on this tag team spotlight of the Steiner Brothers. So, TW, before we close out and you give all those socials, I'm going to put you on the spot. On the TW subjective scale, are they top ten? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 after this, I, I might even be willing to go top five because wow okay well again i mean favorites i if we're talking you know stature they're fuck they're top three it's the road warriors and probably the steiners right after that if if we're we're talking accolades and and where they've been what they did um Mm -hmm. they were awesome but like i said my problem i me personally when i think steiner brothers i don't think tag team anymore because they did so much response you know respectively on their own you know that'd be like me thinking sting and and rick steiner were a tag team no sting and warrior you know what i mean like i watched Sting and rick steiner as a tag team but i don't associate them in the top 100 of tag teams right they probably are but you know what i mean like they don't come to mind and as good as the steiner brothers were i would say untapped potential because i think they could have done more in wwf they weren't there Mm -hmm. long enough um actually I love the Rockers, but I know that I'm fucking being ridiculous when I say they're the best ever because they're not. They're, You're waving they're, the flag, but you just said it. That's no, your but favorite. they're my favorite. favorite. Yeah, they're, they're the ones favorite. I stole the most from. I'm, ask, I'm asking your subjective. If yeah. you want them, I'm, so not, I would I'm not say, saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, would say, where would you put them? I would say Road Warriors, Steiners, Arn and Tully are, are your top okay. three. Cool. And Freebirds. The fucking Freebirds got to be up there, man. And Midnight's and Rock and Roll. But Midnight's and Rock and Roll did most of their shit in the NWA. Arn mm-hmm. and Tully were cha- champs in both. 
Steiners were champs in both. Road Wars were champs in all three. Uh, I, I would never fucking put the Nasty Boys there, even though they were. They were just fucking somebody needed to win the fucking belt from somebody. But, you know, the Hart Foundation well, did all again, that. Accomplishments and where you are on the card is very important on my rankings. Yeah. That's the way I will do it. But I, how about this? I would say when you put the Road Warriors in the ring, when you put the Steiners in the ring, when you put the Brain Busters in the ring, they delivered. You didn't okay. leave going, oh, it was a shitty match. You thought that with the Nasty Boys. You thought that with other teams, right? And the Hart Foundation were great for their time. So were the Bulldogs. So were, you know, because I want the Bulldogs to be up there. And, and they're affectionate. They're they're higher on the list for me than the Steiner brothers. But if we're talking here's, clout. Here's a very controversial thing that for the 12 that listen, Steiner brothers are the number one team in NWA WCW history. Road Warriors are number two. I'm going to say that. They're for, for accolades. Yeah, for accolades yeah. and accomplishments. And that's what they trumped them. I didn't know they had both belts at the same time, and I definitely didn't know they had the IWGP belts, period, let alone at the same time. That's so why that, they're, that's they're number highly one. decorated. That's highly right. decorated. So, so, so we're gonna, if we're going to keep it with NWA and WCW, Reflection Knights, they're number one. They're, yeah, they're, and, and neither down. one would be in the top ten for WWE. They wouldn't even be there. Then you would Absolutely. put the hearts above them. You would put yeah. uh, Edge and uh, – like, that's the other thing I have a problem doing because you could that's, make a, a case for the Hardys, the Dudleys, right. and Edge and Christian, but they were all guys that wrestled after I did. So that's why I have a hard time including no, them no, no. in the discussion, which is not fair to them. It's not fair But to that's them. the beauty of being subjective to your yeah. own list. And with that being but said – we your time when you were a fan is what I mean. Right. But yeah. with that being said, we close on this tag team spotlight. Went two hours strong. I loved it. There was so much to talk about. And probably we even missed, I'm sorry, Tia and Kupa, but there were some matches in New Japan that you wanted me to talk about. But, again, there's so many fucking matches. We couldn't. <laughs> it would be a five-hour show. And with that being said, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. All righty. The Pro Wrestling Coalition Network sponsors actually pro wrestling. Uh, could be reached at the PWC Network at podbean.com. That's where you find us. Uh, our show is on Twitter at PW Reflection. Uh, JB, we talked about you. So at the one, at the blah, 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 at the P1JB. Travis, we talked about you. So at Nuts and Volts, V O E L T Z, P W on Twitter. Big Ray, we can't talk about any of these things without race. Tire, tireless work. We all know he does everything every day for every podcast on Hameen, on Podbean, on, on uh, Big Vito Brand. He's all over it. And thank you, Big Ray. He's at Big Ray Hernandez. Um, BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com and Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand for them. They, they're the best. And then me. The Dumb Dumb Duel and Idiot is coming back. We're going to do a couple videos soon. Uh, I have a car again. Uh, so I almost did one last night. Um, my Twitter is at TommyWonder19 or at the Tommy Wonder. My Snapchat is NumberWonder. Eels or you going to go? I eat eel at sushi. Okay. Um, but my other Twitter is the Tommy Wonder, which is the one mm -hmm. I use the wrestling stuff. But so is my TikTok. And I finally posted two videos on TikTok, and they're glorious. Did you not? You saw them. Big Grace having the time. I don't, I, don't have a I don't have a TikTok. But I put the video on my Facebook before I put it on TikTok. Big Ray had the bet. You you liked it. The backyard oh, wrestling. Oh, the, oh yeah, I saw that. That was funny. That was funny as fuck. So I put a second one up, and it didn't get the same heat because I put it as a link to TikTok, mm -hmm. and but I put it on Instagram too. So I'm gonna put another one up tonight 
with the White Atlas, the man that I'm talking about in my promo. I'm putting the White Atlas's promo, which is about Dr. Dare, because he had a feud already. And then more's coming. And so okay. I put that TikTok video, that 11 seconds in Backyard Wrestling Heaven, mm-hmm. is at 2,000 views already. And the other one's at 71 or 90, 91. But that one doesn't have the same heat. It's terrible. But, I, hey, you put the, the good on the bad. It's all about the algorithm. I did, you could, yeah, maybe it's because it's my first video. They put everybody to watch it. But it's 11 right. seconds. The other one's 14. But it's 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 hilarious. Rico's is pretty good. This is stuff from 89, 90, 91. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's fun that my buddy found it. I think I told this story before. I took one of my backyard wrestling VHS tapes to wrestling uh, for, for the school, let somebody borrow it. It made its way all the way to Winnipeg. And I don't know mm-hmm. where that tape is anywhere i don't know what happened to it but that backyard wrestling is is canadian folklore because it's it's traveled many places so it, i don't know what was on it but but that's all the archive it's in the facebook.com facebook.com backslash tommy wonder two and it's on to you all right and you can find me on my twitter at pw hustle prf that's pw hustle prof i have no tiktok i don't want no tiktok i don't need no tiktok <laughs> so don't worry about that twitter is enough for me and of course if this gets posted on the youtubes find it on the pw hustle youtube networks and of course follow my brothers in arms eight track brown the dirtiest of the city and the king of the reactions at eight track dastardly and of course the man with the documents the man that knows what's going on Billy Ray Valentine, Mr. Infinite Infringe himself at OB when you know me. I don't know what we're going to do next week, TW, so I'm going to keep you on your toes. We might do episodic. We might do movies. Maybe we might do Raru's. I'm not doing a spotlight just yet, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm to I'm gonna go delve into the professor's laboratory, and we'll see where we go here. I'm thinking more on the movie side, but I'll see what I'm going to I'll see where we can go with that one. But anyway, neither here nor there. But with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, Dr. Freakenstein himself, Tommy Wonder saying goodnight, and we'll see you next time here on the PW Hustle Networks at Podbean.com, the PWR Podcast, or the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. See you, Reflectionites. That's a bad bark, man. Hey, man, that's Rick Steiner. I don't want my dog to start barking. So oh, <laughs> my shit's about to die. It's at 8%. I'm like, man, how long does it go? But yeah, I can